Well, we're going to go over a couple of things, and then we're going to go into some uh, child dedications. We, we love to be able to uh, dedicate children. It's a manner of us including people uh, as part of our family to let them know even their new family members are still part of our family, and so we're grateful to do that. I want to uh, just remind you of a couple of things. Uh, this evening, tonight, 6 p.m., is Awakening Prayer. And we're going to be gathering here in the sanctuary to pray, to worship God. We had a great uh, week last week on Awakening Prayer. We prayed over students and we prayed over um, those that are working in the school districts. It was a great time. So uh, we're looking forward to tonight. Tonight is, is extremely special. Uh, we start our Calvary Leadership School tonight. And we got, uh, yeah, 15 interns. Uh, this is their their uh, first first night we're going to be praying over all 15 of those interns and there's also five uh, seasoned mature couples that will be mentoring those 15 students besides the team that will be leading them and so we're going to be praying over those uh, I didn't say it first service because I didn't have it but I have a prophetic word for the for the interns tonight and for two of the young folks in the group so come on out let's just hear what God has to say uh, over over those and also tonight will be communion and so we we love to gather as a family to commune before the Lord so come on six o'clock one hour uh, it's the first day of the week uh, tonight's gonna be an hour of power hour of power so come on out and uh, experience the goodness uh, of the Lord. I want to thank you so much for your giving. You're so faithful uh, in your giving, and we're thankful for all that you do. Those of you that are tithers and obeying the Lord, I'm so thankful uh, that Christ has been revealed to you, and you know the man of God's goodness and, uh, and grace, and, and it's a fact. Wherever our, our treasure is, our heart will follow, and uh, when it, wherever your heart is, your treasure will follow. God is so, so good to us. He's a, he's a faithful provider. How many can say God can be trusted? Amen. God can be trusted. And so thank you so much for giving. You can do it in the offering boxes uh, anytime you're in the building. You can also give through the CTC app, which we would want you to have downloaded so you can keep up with what's going on. And also you can do so through, the, through our website, which also has the messages and what's, and what's going on. All right. So now we're going to dedicate two, two, uh, two families here. We have the, our Viso family. Uh, George and Diana. Oh, sorry about that. And we're going to be dedicating Camilla Grace, right? Camilla was born September 4th, 2018, almost, almost a year. So we're going to be dedicating Camilla. And also we have the Forrest family and their new addition. And uh, I, I think I'm gotten this right. This, this dear baby is only 10 days old. Uh, this is... Ollivander, Echo, Angelo, Forrest. <laughs> so we're gonna be we're gonna be dedicating them. Some of you may may know uh, our visos have been with us a while. Just a, a dear couple, and uh, the Lord has just been so good to them. They're farmers in our community, and we we love that. And the Forrest family actually got a hold of a video of ours and saw it on YouTube, right? And they were he was leading worship at another church in Kansas. The Lord spoke to his heart and said, "This is where you're supposed to be." And uh, and so here uh, here they are. So we're so grateful. I'm gonna I'm gonna Camilla. What do you think, baby? Okay, probably not. 
probably not. <laughs> so just stretch your hands uh, this way. Father, I do thank you uh, for this dear family. I, I know George, I know Diana. I know their faith. I know their desire, Lord God, to serve you and to acknowledge you uh, in all their ways. And Lord, he comes from a heritage of faith. And Lord, he honors that in all things. And Lord, we're thankful for Camilla being born in a family of faith. All the days of her life, we're believing that she's going to be shaped. She's going to be formed by the things that she hears and the things that she learns and the things that she's known, things that she's taught. I pray for the Arviso family as a whole, that you would continue to bless them, bless them in their leadership, bless them in their parenting. Lord, bless them, Lord God, financially. Bless them in their business, in their farms. Bless them, Lord God, in their home. Lord, bless them going in and going out in the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord God, bless them in the fields in the name of the Lord. May he always see produce. May he always receive good for his crops and for his labor. Lord, not only in the natural field, but also spiritually in the life of their family. And we thank you, Lord God, for them committing themselves to you so that they may raise their family in the admonition of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. All right, stretch your hands this way for Ollivander. Echo. In this corner, <laughs> Ollivander. Echo. Angelo Forrest. All right. Stretch your hands. <laughs> well, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the Forrest family. We thank you for Tyler. We thank you for Chelsea. We thank you, Lord God, for them, Lord, hearing your word and embracing it by faith. Lord, it was a faith move, but a move, Lord God, that you've proven to be right, a move that's proven to be good. And Father, it's a joy for them to be part of our family, part of the family of faith, part of the family here at Church for the City. Lord, where we get the joy, along with our Visu family, to see these dear people grow up, Lord God, go on through Awanas and go on through Kids Church and go on to city youth and go on, Lord God, to be part of our family in every aspect of their life. We pray for good health for Ollivander. We pray, Lord God, for safety, protection, Lord, all the days of her life that she may continue to grow uh, in you, that you may indeed be the awesome, uh, uh, he may continue to grow in you, be the awesome God that you are. We thank you for being faithful. Provide for them in every way, Lord God, provide for them. And Lord, we trust you to be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I think they got gifts for you. Yes. There we go. This is for Ollivander. This is for Camilla Grace. Thank you guys so much. Love you guys. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Well, we're, we're, we have been um, in a series in Hebrews, and uh, today we're in chapter 10. It's actually the last portion uh, of the section in Hebrews that deals with doctrine. And then from here, we're going to go on into more exhortation. But I want you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 10, and we're going to pray here in, in just a moment. And thank you. Um, I like having that music there. I love it. Gets me in the mood and um, ready to bring what God has for you. Hebrews chapter 10. Now, usually whenever we talk about blood, most of the time it's, it's kind of in a, in a negative connotation. Obviously, if you see somebody bleeding, you know, you usually... 
you know, obviously think rightly that something is wrong. And uh, sometimes we even use the terms that keep blood in the negative con connotation, like, you know, you got blood on your hands, that's usually a negative thing, uh, or that person is a bloody mess, and uh, that, again, usually is a negative. Uh, I know for me, if you, if you serve me any meat with blood, that I can see the blood, I will pass over you. Yeah, I, I just will pass over it. Don't want to see any, any meat with blood um, coming out of it. But for, for us, there's something, there's something good about the blood. Something good about the blood. And it's one of the very things that makes the cross an offense to people. It's because we celebrate in actually a, 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 a death uh, of Jesus Christ that really was a bloody mess but that absolutely was necessary for the forgiveness of our sins and the remission of our sins. And so we've been dealing with this series, nothing, nothing but the, the blood. And uh, today we're actually using the title, Forget About It. So let me read and I'll pray for the message specifically. Verse number one of Hebrews chapter 10. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things that come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never be the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year. Make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers having once been cleansed would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Father, help us as we bring forth what we believe you have trusted us with and I'm thankful Lord Jesus that the word of God is going forth and the people of God are hearing it they're receiving it they're putting it in their knower they're 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 feeding off of it they're allowing it to shape their life and transform their life and we're thankful for may today be no different uh, Lord as I speak the word of God hearts minds be opened here and the Lord be glorified in you in Jesus name can you say amen now, you know, the key word in this verse here, in verse number one, is that word shadow. That's the, that's the key word there because it's reminding us again, and we've spent eight, nine, and ten particularly, although it was, it's been since chapter one, but eight, nine, and ten particularly, we've been dealing with the contrast between the old covenant and the new covenant or the practices of the Old Testament or old law versus the things that we know regarding Jesus in the new. And, uh, and so the writer here in chapter 10, every, every week that we've preached out of Hebrews, there's been a different thing he said about the old covenant to give us more of an understanding of what it did, what it couldn't do, what it was intended to do, and turns us to the new covenant and the work of Jesus Christ, what he did, uh, what, he intended, uh, what, he, what he intended to do through that work. This week is no different, but this time he deals with the, the issue of the shadow and the inability of the law to change us. And he, he uses this and says that the old covenant is just merely a shadow. And we all know what a shadow is. If you're standing, if you're sitting, you see a shadow, the shadow lets you know that there's something there of substance, but the shadow is not the substance. 
It's letting you know that there's something more solid. There's something that you can put your hand on. There's something that you can grab. There's something that you can look upon, but you can actually touch. But the shadow is not it. The shadow is just an indicator that there is something else. Uh, We don't go and hug the shadow. We don't grab the shadow. We don't need to be afraid of shadows. We don't need to run from shadows because shadows is only indicating to us that there's something else there. In this case, he's saying that the old covenant is a shadow and he's saying it's a dim preview of good things to come. The shadow here being the old covenant is not the good thing. There's a good in it, but it's not the good thing that there is something yet better to come. And he wants them to be reminded, even though that that shadow is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Uh, It tells you a lot, uh, but the shadow is not the substance. And he doesn't want them to go back to the shadow since the real thing is here, since the substance is here. He doesn't want you to go back to the shadow. Don't go back to the old covenant. Don't go back to the old ways. Don't go back to the old laws. Don't go back to the old mindset. Don't go back to the ways of thinking about things before. Uh, but, but now that you have the, the real thing, that's where the joy is. When, when uh, Virginia and I was in the early courtship stages, uh, she would send me pictures of her, pictures that, with her family, or pictures when she was uh, on Hawaii on vacation, or sometimes it'd be, be pictures of just her. And, uh, and, and I, I love getting the pictures. I love having the pictures uh, on my phone. I was already uh, astonished by her beauty, so I would love to, to, to walk around and look at that picture. Before I went to bed at night, I would, man, I would look at one of those pictures. I loved, I, I loved, I loved those pictures. Those pictures uh, did, it, did it for me at the time. But then there was a day that I stood before my family and I committed my, my life to her and I no longer had to look at a picture on my nightstand. I had the real thing. I had the real thing there now. I could touch her, I could kiss her, I could love her, I could hold her. Now, for some crazy reason, if, if one day I decide, I don't know, this just ain't working for me, and, and I pull out the picture on my phone and I, and I go to Virginia and say, you know what? I've been in this for a while and I think the picture is better. I, I just think I'm gonna, I really loved that picture. That picture was so good. It was so beautiful. I just, I love the picture. I just thank you for whatever you want to do, but I'm just gonna stick with the picture. Now, y'all would look at me and say, we knew it, we knew it, we knew it. The dude then lost his mind. He just confirmed it. Why would I go back to the picture when I got the real thing? Why go back to the shadow of what she looks like on the picture when I got the real thing? And that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Why go back to the shadow when you got the real thing? Y'all following that all right? And so... And so it, there's, there's nothing as good as the real thing. And why is that the case with this? Because with the, with the shadow, with the covenant, with the old stuff, those sacrifices was a reminder every year. Every year the priest stood up and went into the tabernacle and made a sacrifice. Every year the people were reminded 
that they had sinned before and they sinned again. They could never forget about the sins before because the priest would have to go in, make the sacrifice, and they'll be reminded those sins never got taken away. Those sins just got set aside. They were just pushed aside for another year, and then the priest had to go in and once again do the sacrifices. The, 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 the writer actually goes one step further, and he talked about, you know, the, they were conscious of the sin, but he also said the sins uh, never got taken away, but he says it was impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to do that. So he wants them to know that the old covenant wasn't evil or bad in and of itself. It was just incomplete. It was insufficient. It didn't bring about total cleansing. It didn't bring about change within them. It only reminded them of who they were and what they had done and the person and the character that they had that would cause them to keep doing it. Even when the priests went into the tabernacle to offer the sacrifice for their sins, it could not take that sin away or change their heart. It couldn't do it. The law couldn't do it. Uh, I was, uh, when I lived on Topeka, there, right there in front of AWC and all of the schools there on 24th Street, within a two-mile stretch, the speed limit changes from 45 down to 25 back to 45 within a very, very small stretch. Those of you that live in that area, you, uh, you get reminders that that thing changes. And, um, and so one day, indeed, uh, going through there, certainly was going 45, it dropped to 25, and I didn't drop to 25, and there was a, there was a person in a car that was marked, he had on the uniform, he's there because my taxpayer dollars pays him to be there. My dollars pay him to be there in that car, in that uniform. My taxpayer dollars is what gave him the authority and the right and the permission to pull me over. I paid him to pull me over. And sure enough, he did. He pulled me over. And he, he comes up to me and he says to me, um, do you know how fast you're going? And honestly, at the time, I didn't. I knew, obviously, it dropped from 45 to 25, and I didn't adjust, but I, I really didn't know uh, how fast I was going. And uh, so I said, no, sir, I, I, I really don't. And he said, and he lifted up his little stick or whatever he had or flashlight, and, uh, and he pointed at the speedometer and says, you got a speedometer, don't you? And I got to be honest, my first thought was I heard about cops like you. Sir, hands on the steering wheel, hands on the steering wheel. But anyway... Uh, I'll just let y'all meditate on that one. But, but, uh, but, but uh, so, I, so I, I respond to that, and, uh, and he, 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 we had a little conversation. It was nice. It was a nice conversation. He left, got my information, went back, came back, gave me a piece of paper, and it wasn't something I could put together and fly as an airplane. It was a ticket. I was guilty. I was wrong. So as soon as I got that ticket, I think the next day, went online, done what I needed to do, and paid the fine. I broke the law, I was guilty of breaking the law, and I paid the fine, because that's what you do. That's what you do. You pay your tickets. That's what you do, young people, you pay your tickets. Anyway, you pay your tickets. About a week later, going down that same road, I'm going 45 or maybe a little more. And I get into that zone when it hit 25 and I realize I'm in the 25 zone, but I'd already got into it, immediately hit the brakes to slow down. And I realized something. Last time I came through here, I broke the law. And I was guilty for breaking the law. 
and I was informed that I broke the law and I paid the penalty for breaking the law. But that done nothing to change my heart. I'm still capable of breaking the law. I'm still capable. And not only then, when I hit the brakes, I'm also, I was also reminded that I just went through this last week. Why? Because the law reminds you of sin. It reminds you of sin, but it doesn't have the ability to take the sin out of your heart. It just keeps reminding you that you break the law. You're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. You got to pay the penalty. You got to pay the penalty because the law can't take it out of your heart. But thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. Because here's what the scripture says. Even though that we're reminded of sins through the old covenant and through the old priest, it's like being on a treadmill and constantly running, 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 and actually never coming to the end of the goal or the end of the process. Jesus comes along and takes the sin away. The word that the writer of Hebrews uses here is the same word that was used when Peter cut off Malchus' ear, the, the servant in Luke 22, I believe it is, when they came to get Jesus, Peter pulled out a sword and cut the guy's ear off. The word there is the same word meaning his ear was taken away. Jesus does the same with our sin. It's completely taken away. That guy's ear was no longer there. When Jesus died on the cross for us, our sin is no longer there, completely taken away. Now, I want you to understand this. That's what distinguishes Christianity from so many other religions, from Buddhism and Hinduism and Eastern mysticism and uh, Islam and Judaism. With all of those religions, they constantly have to do certain works and certain pilgrimages and certain sacrifices to be reminded that they need to keep pleasing the God or the gods, but not in Christianity. In Christianity, we're not the ones that have to keep doing these sacrifices to, be, to, to remind the gods that we do love you and we want to do right and we're sorry we keep messing up and we keep breaking the law, but here I come again, here I come again, please help me, I want to do better. No, Jesus Christ made the sacrifice for us once and for all, not leaving a trace of any sin within us. Once and for all. Matter of fact, I love verses five through seven. And here, these verses are actually a repeat of Psalm 46 through eight. And it's, it's a messianic psalm, and it's talking about Jesus. And here's what the words say. It says, sacrifice, sorry, lost my place here. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. This is speaking about Christ. But a body you have prepared for me, talking about Jesus. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. So Jesus is making a declaration before the Almighty God or the Father that, hey, there, I, I get it. There is no sufficiency in these sacrifices of old. There's, there's no completion in these sacrifices of old. You don't have pleasure in those sacrifices of old. So he goes on to say, then I said, behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. 
Jesus is saying, so now I'm the one that's come. I'm the one that's come to do the work, Lord God, that you need done. It's been spoken of me in the volume of the book. And it's me that will come to do the Lord's will. And if you've ever, if you've ever walked through that passage in Matthew, and of course it's in Luke also, Matthew 26 is 36 through 46, I clearly remember it being there to where Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and the cross, the sacrifice that he was going to make, he knew it was going to be anguishing. I spoke last week about the very fact that forgiveness hurts. Forgiveness means suffering. Jesus knew for the forgiveness of mankind, it was going to mean suffering for him and pain for him and anguish for him. And he agonized before God the Father. As a matter of fact, he even made this, this statement, if there's any other way that this could be done. But he concluded by saying, not my will but your will be done. Jesus came to do the will of the Father. And the reason he did the will of the Father is that because he wanted to bring an end to the old way in which man never could be complete, man would never be sufficient before God, man would never be holy before God, man would never be right before God, and he wanna usher in the second covenant or the new covenant in which the sacrifice that he made is what allowed us to be righteous. Am I talking to the right church? Verse 9 and 10 says this, by that will, meaning the will of Jesus, uh, uh, definitely determining that he was going to obey God, it's because of that will that we have been sanctified, the offering of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sanctified is used in this passage in two ways. One, the first word here uh, made sanctified is this, and I want you to catch this. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, Because Jesus has offered his life for our life. He's taken on our sin and made a sacrifice. We are now considered holy and righteous, not because of what we did, but because God accepted what Jesus did for us. I don't want you to miss that because we're living in days and times and even in contemporary Christianity where people's mindset is all the time, I got to be holy. I got to do it right. I got to keep, I got to keep from doing this, keep from doing this. And surely there is, there is a manner in which, of course, if any of us sin, you go before God for fellowship and for community and to stay right before him, of course. But here is the issue. There is nothing you can do that will make things right. It had to be done by him. And the more you keep trying to do right, the more you fail. Let me just tell you, I was sharing this between service with someone. Uh, one of the, uh, several of our lights uh, underneath our deck under the, the, uh, the second level had went out, but I can only get to them from a ladder. It's, it's a high ladder, a tall ladder. And so when I went up to take the lights down, I had to take one of the bolts off. I looked down at how far it was. I had to hold that bolt, set that dome down, get that light, and put that light back in, and I'm not very coordinated. I don't have much rhythm. I mean, I'm still doing the funky chicken. I mean, seriously, because it's, it's easy, right? I mean, you can't, it, that's another story, but you can't mess up the funky chicken. So I, I'm still holding. So I'm telling myself, don't drop this bolt. Don't drop this bolt. Don't drop this bolt. So I'm trying, don't drop this bolt. Don't drop this bolt. Don't drop this bolt. Bing! That's the same thing you'll do. Can't sin, can't sin, can't sin. Can't sin, don't sin, don't sin, can't sin, don't, don't. Then you're going to find yourself sinning. But when you get the mindset that Jesus Christ has paid the price for me, 
My issue now is to not keep from sinning as much as it is to live holy because I've been sanctified by the blood of the Lamb. And so once and for all, Jesus has done this work. And, it, and, it's, and it's because the priests, the difference between Jesus and the, the priests of those days is they had to go and stand every single day. Every day they had to go and make sacrifices. Then once a year they had to stand in the Holy of Holies and make sacrifices for the people. But the scripture says Jesus made his sacrifice once and for all. And the scripture says, but he sat down, meaning the job is done. He don't have to keep sacrificing anymore on our behalf. The one sacrifice of Jesus Christ for all of us, for all time, is lasting until eternity. Can you say amen? amen? And he says Jesus is now sitting there, awaiting the time for him to return and awaiting for all of his enemies to be his footstools. You may ask the question, who's the enemies of Jesus? Anybody who don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Anybody who's against Christianity? Anybody who's against you because you're a Christian? Whether it's the media, whether it's friends, whether it's family, anybody that's against is not for, and every one of those enemies will come to a defeat. Let me tell you something, no matter how smart people are, how right they are, no matter how brilliant they are, if they're wrong about Jesus, they're gonna be wrong forever. Are y'all hearing me? There's gonna be a day where all mankind are judged. Either you believed in the word of God and you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, or you didn't. There's gonna be a time when God will set everything right. Can you say amen? There's going to be a time when we're going to be in one place together, myriads, I hope of us, millions and thousands, where everybody you look at loves you and loves Jesus. You won't be looking in the eyes of anybody who don't love you and who don't love Jesus. There's actually going to be a day where there is no Fox News. Thank you, Jesus. There is no CNN. There is no CSNBC. There ain't no president. There ain't no vice president. There ain't no Senate. There ain't no Congress. There ain't no Antifa. There ain't no Ku Klux Klan. There ain't none of them folks. It ain't nobody but us in the family of God worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to be a day. It's going to be a day. Hallelujah. And so now we're sanctified by the work of Jesus, but then he also says we're being sanctified. And this honestly is where the fun comes in. Sanctified is what the Lord has done for us. The fun of it is us living out this sanctification. Some people may say that's hard, but no, I think that's kind of fun because you get to learn how to hear what Jesus is saying. You get to learn how to look at the word and see what the word says about your life. You get to learn how to hear the spirit. I mean, come on, man. Listen, I know the forces probably wouldn't think about this, but the work of sanctification in their life was watching that YouTube, seeing what's going on in Yuma, Arizona. Come on, baby. I think this is where God's calling. We got a family. We got a life. We being sanctified. Get in the car. We going home to Yuma, Arizona to be right where God wants us to be. The whole journey of sanctification is fun. We get to see victories in our life. We get to see how we get to overcome the flesh. There's moments and times, yes, you got to crucify the flesh and mortify the flesh. And you got to tell yourself, stop thinking that way and stop saying that and stop acting that way. But that's all part of the fun because you get down the road and you think, man, I don't even think that way no more. I don't even say things like that no more. You look up on folks and they didn't done you wrong and you go up to them and say, man, I love you so much. Ain't that the fun of it? That's the fun of sanctification is seeing God. God, make us more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. Y'all doing all right? 
And so here, I like what Spurgeon said about this one, one time for all. Listen to what Spurgeon said. Those for whom Christ has died were perfected by his death. It does not mean that he made them perfect in characters so that they are no longer sinners, but that he made those for whom he died perfectly free from the guilt of sin. Now catch this. When Christ took their sins upon himself, sin remained no longer upon them because sin can't be in two places. I love it. Sin can't be on Jesus and be on me. If Jesus took my sins, he took my sins away. Amen. So listen, I'm about ready to wrap this up. Let me just tell you a few things. I'm going to read this verse. I don't know if this will be on the screen. Then I'm going to tell you a few things you should know, then a few things you, you should do. Here is, here is how the doctrinal pass, uh, portion of Hebrews wraps up. It says this, and the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. He wraps up these 10 chapters, 10 and a half, and says, here's what I'm trying to tell you. These are the three things that you need to know. Where sins are really forgiven, there's no longer an offering for sin. Since our sins are forgiven, there is no other offering for our sins. None that needs to be done, none that will be done. Jesus already did it. Here's the second thing. The new covenant has to do with inner transformation. This is part of also coming out of Jeremiah 31, which we talked about in chapter 8. Remember, the scripture says that the Lord said in that day, talking about the day of the new covenant, talking about the day when the Holy Spirit comes, talking about the day when we accept Jesus as, as Lord and Savior and we're born again. Now he's going to write his law in our hearts and he gives us a new spirit. That's a transforming work. We become new people. We become born again. We call it born again. Some churches, old covenant, I mean, uh, uh, old churches use the word and still use the word righteously saved, that we're new people, new creatures, have a new hope, have a new outlook. We have a new future. Why? Because of the spiritual work that's been done in our hearts. We gave our life to the Lord Jesus Christ. That makes me new. New mind, new heart, new person, think new, have a new hope living in me. I, I'm looking at a new outlook, a new perspective, and a new future. Why? Because of the inner transformation transforming work of the Spirit of God. That all came because of the new covenant. Y'all doing all right. We're all new. All things are new. And then he wants them to know the forgiveness is so complete that God has done for us that God can say that he doesn't even remember our sins. Doesn't even remember. And so this is what I want you to do. If you got anything out of this lesson, I want you to get these three things. When it comes to your sin, Forget about it. Forget about it. You, 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 you allow Jesus to do with that sin what Jesus does best. And hear me. Jesus does better with sin than you do. He knows how to get rid of it. He knows how to take it away. He knows how to cleanse it. He knows how to forgive you. Let me tell you what we do with sin. We carry it. We harbor it. We lose sleep at night. We keep hanging on to it. We won't let it go. We may be past the situation, but we can't forget about it. 
We make it a lifelong companion. We going down the street, going to enjoy a good old Dairy Queen. Got sin sitting next to me. Lay in my bed with my wife. Sin laying on the other side. Try to have a good meal with my grandchildren. And I'm sitting there with sin in front of me. Forget about it. Get rid of it. Stop letting sin live with you. If Jesus said, I took it away, why would you want to say, hey, oh, oh, hey, hey, woohoo. I can't whistle. Somebody whistle. Sin. Come on back. I miss you. What? Let it go. Can't stand that movie Frozen, but let it go. You don't need it to live with you. Jesus has taken it away. Am I talking to the right church? He's taking it away. So forget about it. The second thing is stop. Well, let me just say it this way. Shut down the accusing voices, whether it be the devil, whether it be others, or whether it be yourself. Listen, folks always got things they'll say. Folks will always make you remember things that God told you he forgets. People will always have you remembering something. You remember when you did. You remember when you said. You remember when you was like. You remember. There's still folks from Yuma High School that still, I've been pastoring 26 years. I just ran into somebody two weeks ago, and I told them, man, why don't you come to my church? I knew him from high school. Hadn't seen him in years. And they said, church? <laughs> you? I mean, I got evidence. I mean, we do have a church here. I'm telling you. But because of what I was like in high school, ain't no way in the world they thinking they're going to trust anything I say. Shut down that noise. Shut down that noise. You got to shut down those accusing voices and stop letting the enemy keep telling you what you've done, who you are. There's a, there's a great passage. Actually, it's a story, and I don't, uh, it's a, a true passage, but um, I don't think the whole thing is on the screen. But it's in Zechariah chapter 2. And the Lord had made so many declarations to the nation of Israel about their sin, and some of that we've been dealing with in this series. But then he started letting them know what he was going to do when Christ came and, and the restoring of the people of God and restoring of the nation, and he was going to make them new. And in Zechariah chapter 2, toward the end of the chapter, he had just finished declaring chapter 1 and chapter 2, something about the judgments that had come and, and would be coming before this time. But then he says, but I want, you, I want to remind you that I told you I'm going to dwell with you. I'm going to live with you forever. And he goes on to say at the end of Zechariah chapter 2 that I'm going to spring into action and keep my word because I'm coming to dwell with you. That's in chapter 2. Now, in chapter 3, he uses an illustration to bring up how the accusation of the enemy and others can almost try to invalidate what God said. And, this, and I think this is on the screen. So, so he goes, so he shows a vision. It's Zechariah chapter 3. It says, the angel showed me Joshua, the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. The accuser Satan was there at the angel's right hand making accusations against Joshua. So you see that. The accuser of the brethren, Satan, making accusations, which is, why, is what he does. Satan has, there's two reasons why Satan makes accusations. Number one, because he's, he's the devil. He's just the accuser of the brethren. But let me tell you the other reason why Satan makes accusations against us. All Satan remembers is he fell. He rebelled against God and fell and lost everything. And he, has, and he thinks because we have been sinners and transgressed like Adam and Eve that we are no different than him. But here's what Satan misses. 
we have experienced something that he never has, and that's redemption. He fell, we fell. And so he's still looking up on us. You ain't no different than me. You fell from God just like I did. But what he didn't experience was the powerful, transforming, redeeming work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Satan is still looking at you from what you were and missing the whole element of who you have become. Am I talking to the right church? So the accuser is standing there accusing, and listen to what happens. And the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusation, Satan. I love this because hear this. Satan was accusing Yeshua, and God took it personal. He said, I hear you talking about him, but I'm telling you, I reject those accusations because those children are mine. He took it personal. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. And we're the same way God has snatched us from sin. He snatched us from shame. He snatched us from ridicule and guilt and all of those things. And he's taken off those old garments just like he did Yeshua and put new garments up on us. And even though we all got a past, the Lord is looking at my future. He said, this is who you are right now before me. So we got to shut down these accusations. Some of you might have heard this. I don't know if it was a true story. It's a story that's been told time and time again. And and I kind of like it, but old Billy was out in the backyard and he was shooting his slingshot. And um, while he was out there accidentally, his slingshot hit, his grandmother had some ducks out there and, and the slingshot hit one of the little baby ducks, killed the duck, the little duck. Billy didn't think nobody saw him. So he went over and got the duck, dug a little hole and buried, buried, buried the duck and thought that would be the end of it. Of course, consciously, he knew he had did it. Well, they, they come, he comes on in the house, the day goes on, they're having dinner, and uh, the grandma and Billy and his sister Joyce is at the table, and they finish up the dinner, and grandma said, now Joyce, uh, why don't you go ahead and clear the table? It's your night to clean the kitchen. You clear the table, and you go ahead and wash the dishes. And Joyce says, no, uh, grandma, tonight, uh, Billy's gonna clean the table, and Billy's gonna wash the dishes. And grandma said, no, 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 it's, it's your night, Joyce. But no, she said, no, grandma, Billy's going to do it. Aren't you, Billy? Remember the duck? See, he didn't know Joyce had saw him kill the duck. So Billy's going to go ahead and do that tonight. Grandma said, okay, that's what y'all have worked out. Next day, it's time for the trash. And grandma said, Joyce, it's your time to take out the trash. No, grandma, I'm not going to do the trash today. Billy's going to do it. Billy said, it's not my time. Uh, Billy, remember the duck? Okay, yeah, Grandma, I'm going to take out the trash. That went on for about three days. Billy had become a slave of Joyce because the sin she saw and he knew about wasn't dealt with. Are y'all hearing me? So she kept reminding him of the sin, which made him a slave of the sin. After three days, he had just about had enough of being a slave of Joyce. So he went to his grandma and said, Grandma, I, I just need to tell you something that I, a few days ago, I was out there with my slingshot and I, I killed one of your ducks and I, 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 didn't, I didn't believe anybody saw me and I, I just buried the duck and it's, it's kind of been bothering me and I wanted to let you know. And, and the grandma said, listen, Billy, I was standing right here in the kitchen at the window and I saw you 
kill the duck and I saw you bury the duck. But I didn't say anything because I wondered how long you was going to let your sister make you a slave because you didn't deal with the issue that you should have dealt with three days ago. Listen, the devil will keep coming to you. Remember the duck. Quack. Quack. You need to tell the devil. Y'all with me? One last thing here, and that's this. Because of what Christ has done, we now can walk in freedom. We now can walk in freedom. We have new life in Christ Jesus. Galatians 5, 1 says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Don't go back into slavery. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Slavery of your own mind, slavery of other folks' thoughts, slavery because other folks got accusations, statements, slavery of your past. Don't go back to that. Christ has set you free. His blood has cleansed us for all eternity. All of our sins have been taken away. Now Christ is saying, now get out there and live holy and righteous for me because you're free now to live holy unto the Lord. Everybody stand if you would. Prayer team, if you, you, you come on and come, we're going we're gonna to pray. Now, this is what we're going to ask you to do as we have the last few weeks. We're going to spend some time here praying, and we're going to go after some prayer. We're going to go into a song of worship, and we want you to stay in and remain for this time of worship and in this last song, and just let the Word of God minister to you. Extend your heart and your mind, your hands in worship while people come for prayer. We want to stand in support of them as God ministers them, but also we want to celebrate what God is doing uh, in our life. I, there's a few prayers I want, to, I want to pray. And I know that many of you already know Jesus Christ and you know him as, as Lord and Savior, but I just want to remind you, there's going to be people here at the altar who's able to pray for you for a multitude of things. We, we learn this and we know this as a body, as a fellowship. It's good sometimes. The Bible says when two or three gather together, he's in the midst. I know a lot of us pray a lot of things on our own, and that's fine. We're supposed to have our own prayer list and, and go over things, but it's wonderful when you get with people of faith who love you and look you in the eye and say, hey, I'm here with you. Whatever this situation is, whatever the problem is, whatever the decision is you got to make, I'm here with you. It's a sense of comfort. It's a sense of relief. It's a sense of support. It's what we do as a family. So the altars will be open no matter what it is that you need. We want you to come on and come. But I want you, I want you if, if you're here and you've heard me say all of these things about Christ forgiving you, taking your sins away, Christ giving you a new heart, new mind, a new life. I, I need you to hear this. If you heard those things and you say you know those things and, and you say you believe those things, but you don't do nothing about that, it means nothing to you. Hear me on this. Every one of us come to a point in our life when we have to acknowledge we believe that Jesus is who he said that he is and Jesus has done what he said he will do and I make the commitment to trust what Jesus has done. Every one of us get to that point. If you've never made that commitment, if you've never made that step, if you've never said, I'm gonna trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you to do that today. You're in a good place. You're in a safe place. You're in a healthy place, a place where there is no shame. There's no judgment. But I, I'm telling you, I want you to experience eternity. And it begins with you making that decision. I'm going to believe 
the eternal word of God and believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. I want every head to bow and every eye to close. I'm going to say a prayer, and if you're here and you want to make that commitment today, I certainly want to pray with you. Well, Father, we've spoken the word of the Lord as best as we believe we can and how you've given it to us to minister. And Lord, it is our desire that everyone in this house, that we embrace these truths, we embrace the the doctrines of it, we embrace, Lord God, what you have said and what you have spoken, and that, that that you, Lord God, would work in us and among us. We're believing, Lord God, also that the ministry of the word will have an eternal effect. Many of us know you as Lord and Savior, and yet it's good to be reminded. It's good to be reminded of what you have done and for us to embrace that even today and walk out of here, Lord God, yeah, with a renewed mind and a renewed freedom. But Father, for those who haven't made that commitment yet today, we're asking in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Spirit of God works that today would be the day that they would respond 